Morabai. Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. Thanks, Radio. On Praise Today, a safeguarding seminar sees local churches working closely for best results. There's a progress report on Synod 2020 and two regular Praise guests have their hard work recognised with a national award. But first, some music, another from our Harvest Thanksgiving collection, For the Fruits of His Creation, Thanks Be to God. Wells Cathedral Choir there with another popular harvest hymn for the fruits of his creation. Safeguarding, protecting children and vulnerable adults from harm and promoting their welfare is something the island's Christian churches takes very seriously, to the extent that four of the major denominations here are jointly employing an ecumenical safeguarding officer, Tony Connell, who works across all churches, giving advice and training and helping to work out the best practices to benefit everyone. Yesterday, Tony led an ecumenical safeguarding seminar when around 50 people of all denominations came together to reflect on the work that's been done and the work still needed to keep Christian communities safe on our island. And there was a guest speaker too, Reverend Susan McIver, who spoke about the challenges and actions needed to make our churches safe for those who have been abused 
and those who have been convicted of abusing others. Susan drew from her own wide-ranging experience to give us much to think about. Let's join Ecumenical Safeguarding Officer Tony Connell now as he explains how Susan came to be with us yesterday. I was uh, lucky enough to meet Susan at my first meeting of uh, Methodist colleagues, district safeguarding officers, as they're called in the Methodist Church, in Manchester, not long after I'd been appointed to the island. And Susan didn't say a lot in the meeting, but what she did say really captured my thoughts and imagination and my mind. And I felt that that practical application of her knowledge as a minister, but also as a colleague safeguarding officer uh, with all the expectations and the requirements that that highly skilled role requires would be a perfect combination for colleagues here on the island to benefit from in our conference this morning. Tony, thank you. And now the opportunity to meet the lady herself, Reverend Susan MacIver, who is the District Safeguarding Officer in the Nottingham and Derby District of the Methodist Church. That's correct. You were ordained back in 1997. You were in, as a young person, natural affinity with young children, and you found a safeguarding policy that was evolving. But the thing that touched me very deeply was that you said that you ultimately felt called by God to come away from circuit ministry and to devote yourself to a subject that, quite honestly, it's a terribly difficult area, isn't it? Yeah, it can be a terribly difficult area. It can also be very challenging, and people's attitudes to me as district safeguarding officer can be challenging. But I guess, for me, it's a place where I've found in the church I'm able to make a real difference, that I feel called by God at this particular time as the church goes through the changes, really, of changes in culture as much as anything, to take on board the safeguarding agenda and to make our churches safer places. People don't always realise just how challenging it is to put safeguarding in place in the church. And that goes back to our theme for today, which was about all are welcome, and that actually anybody can come to church and we welcome everybody. But quite clearly, those who pose a risk, we have to welcome in safety. And we need to put things in place to ensure that people in our churches are all safe. Where we run into real problems with all of this is when we look at either group in isolation. If we're working with those who have offended but we forget that there have been victims and people who've been harmed, then we run into problems about managing those people because we simply respond as pastoral people to them. We have to remember there are victims and survivors. When we're working with victims and survivors, we have to remember as well that if God loves everybody, God loves everybody, including those people who've perpetrated a crime. God doesn't, I don't believe, love that crime but I believe that God does love everybody without exclusion and therefore we need to remember actually there are places for people and make things safe for them so for me it's about holding that whole picture and holding those things in tension and getting the balance ensuring that people are not further harmed by the things that we do. And the media doesn't always help. The media you expect is um, media around the church has done this badly, whereas actually I think a lot of people don't understand how difficult safeguarding is to work out in the context of the church because we don't choose who comes to church. People self-select, and that's quite different actually to other organisations as well. But we do need to be clear about our safer recruitment. We do need to be clear about our safer working practices that keep the church safe. At times, we have ignored abuse. We've not heard the pain of victims and survivors we've not taken seriously the lifelong impact of harm to people and we've done ourselves no favors as church and i don't believe that we've essentially loved them as god loves those people and there's work for us to do so if we've got a bad reputation 
we've deserved that. But at the same time, it is a really challenging place to work out safeguarding and often more challenging than other contexts in society. I think it goes back to that age-old problem. In any place where we are, we assume it doesn't happen here. We assume that perpetrators are people that we don't know. And then suddenly when it comes to us, we can see the mistakes that we've made. And so the idea of having not just protect policies that protect, but also that prevent harm are therefore really important. There was a lot of Bible quotes that were used this morning by the different speakers, yourself included, to remind us that everything we do is valueless unless it's rooted in prayer for our inspiration and our strength. Is that where you get your strength from in the tricky moments? Absolutely. For me, the knowing that I am loved by God, despite some of the things that are sometimes said to me when I'm challenging people's behaviour, knowing actually that the language that we use about the kingdom of God and the values that we're about, those things for me are fundamental about who we are and how we work all of this out. Abuse is part of who we are as the church and this is who we are as God's people. Um, we just need to find safe ways to work with that and still hold on to the love of God that we know for us, for our communities and for the world. This safeguarding journey for me started around 1999 and I have seen huge shift in the life of the Methodist Church in that time. A huge shift in understanding, a huge shift in resourcing, a huge shift really in the culture, but we're not there yet. But we have been on this journey for a long time. And I think until safeguarding is the golden thread really that runs through everything that we do, we're still going to be kind of banging the drum that bit louder as safeguarding to make sure that we're being heard. If I sang the songs the angels sing If I grasped the depths of everything Though the mysteries of this world were mine I'm nothing without love I could give to every child in need I could save the planet from our greed I could stand for justice till I bleed And never know his love Love is patient, love is kind Not envious or boastful Rejoicing in the truth I could give my money to the poor I could preach the gospel door to door Even save a thousand souls or more And still not know his love Protecting and forgiving
passed away And the best we have is yesterday There is one thing that is here to stay His never-failing love His never-failing love Stuart Townend's Never Failing Love, the music chosen by Reverend Richard Hall to conclude our ecumenical safeguarding seminar yesterday. And before that, I was talking to guest speaker Reverend Susan McIver, District Safeguarding Officer for the Methodist Church in Nottingham and Derby. And now let's meet another visitor, this time from Liverpool. It is always a pleasure to have an opportunity to welcome back to the programme Bishop Tom Williams from the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Liverpool, of which the Catholic Church on the Isle of Man forms a part. Bishop Tom, good morning and welcome back. Good morning. It's lovely to be here. The reason that you're here on the islands and spending really a lot more time than you normally do when you come to see us is because you're doing something that is called a a visitation. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, please? The Latin word is quinquennial, every five years. It means that there was a plan where the Archbishop and the Auxiliaries would visit every parish on a regular basis. So there was a set plan for that. That's changed over the years, but it's getting to know the local area, what the situation is in each place. Because every parish is different and every situation is different. It's seeing how the priests are coping with the situation, whether they are coping, spend the time with them. People here can't as easily go to the cathedral, for example, to attend a service. And so it's, it's bridging that gap and making you not seem an unapproachable figurehead. I suppose the first question people say when you go to a new place is, what do we call you? And I always say, well... My mother asked me that question the first time I was ordained bishop. And basically, you know, what do you normally call me? I've always believed in a situation that you never step into the same river twice. Things, The world's moving very fast, and every time you come, you'll find a different situation. It's a changing world, and practice is changing. We've got far less priests. There's been a big increase in those who've retired and died. I think we must have lost something like 60 priests in the last seven years and there's not many vocations coming through so it's dealing with new situations which are arising when i was ordained there was three priests for every parish now there's one priest for every three parishes it's a changing world out there and i think we don't want it to be too clerical but at the same time it's people getting more involved and getting people involved in parishes and what parish life is all about so it's uh, interesting Change can sometimes be a very healthy thing. I remember many years ago, a priest from another country saying, one day England will be a missionary country and priests will come from other countries to minister there. And there sometimes can be a richness in multicultural ministry, can't there? Of course there can. I was trained as a missionary priest, not for the missions, but it was an English college in Lisbon, Portugal. We were trained to serve on the mission. We're getting back to the missionary element all the time, and that's about what we're here for. It's about preaching the word, and the sense of mission is the theme for the new synod. It's getting back to the the basic essence of church. Bishop Tom has just mentioned a synod. But what is a synod? Well, a synod is a journey, but the route that journey will take is being formed by the synod members and they're drawn from churches all around the Archdiocese of Liverpool, and that, of course, includes our island's Catholic churches too. 
At the heart of this journey is listening at its very deepest level, allowing the Spirit of God to shape the way we hear and the way we act. Synod members are listening to the concerns, needs and opinions of their local communities, ready to represent these to the Synod, where they'll be considered carefully and will form the basis of a plan for a future filled with hope and confidence, where we live no longer for ourselves but for others. Preparation for the Synod journey actually began in December 2017 with a year of prayer. Then, members were selected and moved into a time of listening, and from that came the four themes that the bishop has just mentioned. They are sharing the mission of Jesus, all called and gifted by God, building community, nurturing belonging, and how we pray together. Now, there will be another lengthy period of talking, praying, considering and listening, which will continue until the middle of next year. But right now, let's return to Bishop Tom Williams from the Archdiocese of Liverpool, who was present when Synod members met last week as the four themes were announced. First, we'll have Bishop Tom's reaction, followed by some thoughts from Synod organisers, clergy and Synod members. There was two meetings last week, one, one in Liverpool and one in Wigan, and um, at which there must have been five or six hundred at each. The second one, most of the priests were there. But that was interesting because the new cardinal was there, Father Michael Fitzgerald, there was the archbishop, there was myself. I could see all the major senior priests of the diocese and then there was representatives from the youth and everyone else. So the whole element then was the themes, the four themes of the synod. The discussions will beginning now. The only thing I'm worried about, I think, is that you don't want the answers before you have the questions. And sometimes you, you, you say, well, I don't want to be led by the nose to a decision. You've got to find out what's going on on the ground. There are situations and difficulties. We need a, a good discussion. You've got to start where people are. And you've got to value the heritage and traditions of, of the faith and the church. Because otherwise, you can make changes and all you do is upset people rather than encourage them. So I think it's about getting the balance right between the two. We're at the Edge in Wigan, which is our venue for gathering together with the Synod members who've been doing a huge amount of work over the last few months, going out into parishes, engaging with people all over the place and doing a huge amount of listening, really taking the Synod questions to people and hearing what they have to say. So today, we're feeding back to them everything that's been heard. And it's just wonderful to have that opportunity to be able to share with them the, the wonderful work that they've been doing and seeing where that might lead us on our journey. In responding to these questions, people have prayed, reflected, shared, and listened to each other. We're hearing about all these conversations that have happened around the Archdiocese over the last number of months. It's quite exciting, it's just going to be great to hear what people are saying, what they're thinking, what they're feeling in the Archdiocese, and it might just give us an idea of what to do next. It's a great event so far. There's some great people here today who really want to see some change in the church. They want to see it, you know, moving forwards. 
I got involved because I wanted to encourage more young people to come to church. With the Synod members here, we've got ecumenical observers and that's a real enrichment in our Synod journey. We've got some special observers, people we've invited who can help us to reflect. So this is the next step of our journey. I've met loads of people and everybody's just been so friendly and we've been having some great conversations around you know, Synod 2020, what our expectations, where we think it's going to go. Yeah, and I think everyone's feeling really positive about the whole process. It's really interesting to see what the themes are and they're so broad. I feel like we're going to get an awful lot out of it. It's absolutely brilliant to see those, those kind of things discussed. And for me, making the church more inclusive, make, you know, welcoming everybody, no matter where they come from, no matter you know, where they are right now in their lives. Welcoming everyone for me is the future for the church. We're looking at the future of the diocese. It's no use just listening to one part of the church or one area. We've all got to hear what that future could be. There's a lot going on under the surface here, which I think will emerge as the process continues. So that's part of my reaction so far. We've got to listen to each other and try and move forward as well. So, and it's just good to support each other as well, you know. And I'm sure some of the things that people have heard today will be challenging, but that's, that's, that's who we are. That's the diversity of who we gather, and we're not shying away from that. It's all about people. We need to be connecting with people, engaging with people. So this is the Catholic Church in the Archdiocese of Liverpool, and it's alive. It's vibrant, it's exciting, and it's going places. Thank you, Bishop Tom Williams and members of Synod 2020. We'll be taking another look at their progress in the new year. And now, time to make another visit to Church's Bookshop in Howard Street, here in the heart of Douglas. I come into Church's Bookshop and often I'm talking about award-winning authors or something special that's happening to other people. Today, I'm talking about something special that has happened to our bookshop managers, Georgia and Andrew Wedgwood-Main. So, come on, tell me what's happened. Well, we were really honoured at our latest Christian Resources Together conference and retreat. We go to this every year over in Swanwick near Derby and there's a, an award ceremony, basically awards for everyone within the Christian book trade. And this year, we were honoured to receive the Young Contributors Award for 2019. Georgia, was this a complete surprise to you? We'd been tipped off it would be a good idea for us to be at the award ceremony, but we weren't sure if we'd won anything and if so, what it was we'd won. So it was still very exciting. Well, congratulations, because this is a national thing. So we're drawing from a big area. This is really quite a coup, Andrew, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I mean, for us, it was it was very humbling to be there in front of loads of colleagues from the trade. I mean, for those on the Isle of Man, the only people in the Christian book trade you'll see is Georgia and I and our volunteers. So to be over there among friends from all across the UK who are doing what we're doing and then to be honoured in this way was just remarkable. It was great we got to meet so many people and yeah it's really helped us to see that what we're doing is, is worth it and um, really given us another oomph to keep going and um, keep the bookshop thriving. Well it is worth doing it, it is tremendous and you have done a wonderful job making the bookshop visible by going out to churches, going to events, and you're always happy to do that. Georgia, did you in some way sort of feel that you were accepting an award for your volunteers as well? Yes, absolutely. I mean, some of our volunteers have been involved in this bookshop long before Andrew and I came on the scene, and they're all so dedicated and they work so hard here, and we're just so lucky to have such a good team supporting us here. And, of course, it's the C word next, isn't it, as in 
Christmas. Beginning of October, I suppose you've got all your Christmas stock ready, haven't you? Yes, it all went on the shelves last week, so we're all ready now. So it's Advent calendars, Christmas cards, and knowing you, one or two extra little special things that we have to come in the shop to see. Yes, we've got quite a variety of different books and gifts in as well this year. Yeah, we try and have just about anything you could need. We think that giving gifts, you want to encourage someone if you've got a, a Christian friend or even a non-Christian friend, you just want to give something that's got that spark of the true meaning of Christmas. Well, we like to have it in. And the publishers and the manufacturers are really going all out at the moment to produce some really great products. So um, we hope people will come in and have a look for themselves. Yeah, we're not going to give too much away in this conversation because <laughs> it, it is it is well worth popping in and it's easy to find. Howard Street, right off Strand Street. You can access us from Strand Street near WH Smith and opposite TK Maxx come along that way you'll always get a warm welcome we'd be happy to see you obviously we are so reliant on our volunteer team George and I are here part time between us we love pouring as much as we can into the shop but without our volunteers we really couldn't do anything and at the moment we're actually looking for another volunteer to join our team so if anyone out there listening thinks they'd like to get in on the action that is um, Christian bookselling and if they get in contact we'd love to have them join us I should just say that currently on Mondays we are closing at 2pm unfortunately with volunteers some of the volunteers are out of action at the moment and so we're just having to close that a little bit early but other than that yes 10 till 4 every day except Sunday Church's bookshop at manx.net we um, check that email every day or if you message us on Facebook find Church's bookshop on there we'd be more than happy to talk to you there Are you also doing uh, charity cards and fair trade chocolate advent calendars and that kind of thing? Absolutely um, things will continue to trickle in over the next few weeks as uh, orders arrive we always make sure to stock charity Christmas cards we think they're a great way to support a good cause we have Christmas cards for the Leprosy Mission and Compassion two great charities that we love to support Georgia and Andrew Wedgwood Main, huge congratulations on your award and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Well, that's all we've time for on this morning's programme. All editions of Praise are available as podcasts. And did you know that our Thought for the Day, broadcast each weekday, is now available as a weekly podcast? At the end of each week, I'll combine the five individual thoughts into one podcast. It's called Thought for the Week. And like the Praise podcast, you can listen, download or subscribe for free via manxradio.com. And that's also where you'll find the Praise blog, home of our full church notice board. Go to manxradio.com, on the homepage, click on air and on the drop down menu, follow the link for blogs. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and I wish you and those you love every blessing in the days ahead. Music